Uh, today's topic is joy, okay? <laughs> and if you were wondering what the definition of joy was, that's it, all right? Well, the question is, how do I find that kind of joy in my life? Because I can't be going to Disney World every day, but what if I told you that there are ways that you and I can meditate on the truths of God's Word and the promises He's given us that we can find joy no matter what our circumstance? Well, that'd be worth talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about today because I want joy, and I think you do too. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you for that video. It just makes me laugh. I've seen it multiple times, and I just love it when those little girls are screaming with joy. Lord, I want joy in my life. And I pray that today, Lord, you'd remind us what your word teaches us about being joyful. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak and move me out of the way, and during this Christmas season, you'd remind us of joy. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline, and point one simply says that Jesus' birth is good news meant to bring great joy to people everywhere. That's exactly what the angels came to say, but let me just remind us that joy is a delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good. Going to Disney World for those little girls. For you and me, that Jesus Christ came into the world to get us right with God again. And to rejoice is to express great joy. I mean, to feel joy is one thing, to express it is another, and that's to rejoice. A Christian expression for joy is hallelujah. Could we try saying that on three? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Good, man, this is great. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, and it was so funny today that today we're talking about joy, and it is a miserable day out there. And you're going, man, I'm glad we're talking about joy because it is cold and misty, and, and this is the way we find life, that we're going to have to choose joy. And God will show us how to find joy in the midst of all kinds of circumstances. In fact, that's what uh, the Christmas story is all about. When the world was caught in sin, God sent his son into the world to bring us joy. Listen to Luke chapter 2. The night when Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guiding their flocks of sheep, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I mean, that's the whole idea behind Jesus' birth. Good news for great joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said. It's a story of good news meant to bring great joy. Now, before I move on from this too much, I want you to understand how extraordinary the whole setting was. It says when the angel proclaimed this good news, he was joined with the armies of heaven. And uh, there's another place uh, later in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, when John saw a glimpse of the armies of heaven uh, <laughs> around the throne, it says there were thousands of them. 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. So imagine 
your shepherds one night, one angel appears to you, which is a lot, and then the sky is chocked full with a hundred million angels. Praising God, because this is the best news ever. Now, if you're wondering, for perspective, I went and looked it up online uh, from a couple of different sources. They said the average person, if you got on a clear night away from city lights and you can see a lot of stars in the heavens, with the naked eye, you can see, see somewhere between five and 10,000 stars. So if all the armies of heaven came that John saw in Revelation 5, 11, 100 million, if you could see 10,000 stars on a clear night, there were 10,000 times as many stars as you could see, that many angels stacked up praising God. This is such big news. And they were all going, yes, or hallelujah, bringing glory to God himself. Now, maybe at this Christmas season, you could use an injection of joy. I prayed with some people after our first service today. They're going, oh my goodness, this was timely because I needed to get my focus right. And I want to remind us that we can all rejoice, not only now, but all year long, but we can rejoice that Jesus came at Christmas time to pay the penalty for our sins and restore our relationship with God. I mean, this is the big thing that Jesus came to do is restore the relationship. The Bible tells us in the opening pages that when God created the first people, they were in perfect harmony with him and relationship with him in the Garden of Eden. In fact, Adam and Eve would walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. They'd have conversations out loud. And God was glad to share with them his dreams, his plans, and they would listen and talk together. But then when sin entered the world, they were cast out of the garden, and there was a wall of separation put up between a holy God and sinful people because God is righteous and can't have sin in his presence. But when Jesus came, the Bible tells us he tore that wall down. The barrier has been removed, and our relationship's been restored. Paul talked about this in Romans 4. He said, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. If you are grateful that the Lord has cleared your record of sin, would you say hallelujah? hallelujah. I mean, that's an expression of joy. And Paul says, oh, what joy. And by the way, he's quoting Psalm 32. He's quoting David there. You know, the one who had committed adultery and then committed murder to cover it up. Yeah, David was the one who said that, and Paul was just quoting him. Romans 5.11, Paul went on to say, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You and I, because of Jesus, because that little baby was born in Bethlehem and grew up to be a sinless, perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine, relationship's been restored, and you and I are friends of God. If you are rejoicing today that you and I have a friendship with God, would you say hallelujah one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you. Point B, we can also rejoice because Jesus came to give us eternal life. Not only are we forgiven of our sins, not only do we have a relationship with God, it's not just for this life, it's forever and ever. One time when Jesus had sent out his disciples, and not just the 12, but a number of people that were following him, he'd sent out 72 of them, he commanded them to go into all these different villages and to teach people about himself, the Messiah who'd come, to teach them the good news that we're talking about today. And they were given the power to do miracles to demonstrate this was actually from God. So listen to what happened in Luke 10 when they came back. 
When the 72 disciples returned from that mission that Jesus had sent them on, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Listen to this. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Think about this for a second. If you have committed your life to Christ, your name is registered in heaven. The book of Revelation, again, says there's a book called the Book of Life. And when it's opened, the name's recorded there. These are the people who spend eternity with the Lord. When's the last time you thanked the Lord? When's the last time you rejoiced your name was written in heaven? John Douglas Schmidt is written in heaven, in the Book of Life. And all too often, we don't even think about that. That's one of the great promises we have through Christ. It's one of the things we can rejoice about. That's why Jesus came, to give us a right relationship with God and eternal life. Before he ascended into heaven, or right before he was crucified, I should even go back a little further, in John 14, here's what he told his disciples. He had told them, I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to rise again, and you'll be sorry for a little while, but in the end, you're going to rejoice. He said, there's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you? that I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you so you'll always be with me where I am. I mean, this is wonderful news. We can rejoice because our names are written in the book of life through Christ Jesus. Uh, My wife and one of my sons, my middle son, Evan, this week, uh, she was in Washington, D.C., helping them move to a new apartment, Evan and his wife. And um, while she was there, she was able to go to the Capitol Rotunda and... um, pay respects to uh, Bush 41, you know, George H.W. Bush. And uh, while she was in the rotunda with my son and his wife, um, George W. Bush and his family came in, and Jeb and the others in the Bush family. And Debbie actually got to pay, re- pay respects to them. And it was interesting because they overheard Jeb Bush telling one of the people there who was m- sad and was mourning, said, don't be sad. My father's with the Lord. He's a believer. He's in heaven. I mean, that is a wonderful promise. That's a promise for, it's not just limited to people who are related to a president of the United States. This is a promise for anyone who comes to Christ. Now, if you can rejoice about that, would you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Mm. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. Now, I want you to understand, not only are we talking about joy during the Christmas season, which we certainly want to do, but we want to talk about joy all year round. Because the Bible says that we're not just supposed to rejoice that Jesus was born, we're supposed to live joyful lives. Point two reminds us that God wants us to always be filled with joy. And some of you are looking at me going, you're crazy. I mean, because my life, if you knew my life, my life's a roller coaster. Some days are up, some days are down. How do you expect me to be joyful? Well, listen to what Paul said about this. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he said it again, always be joyful. And Psalm 97 tells us, rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Not just based on our circumstances. In fact, we rejoice on it because... God is always who he is. You're going to see a bunch of good reasons here why we can be joyful all year round. Now, I want to make a disclaimer here, first of all, that some of us have to work at this a little more than others. I come from a long line of various seri- very serious people. In fact, I have a couple of pictures here. 
this is my, uh, these are my great-grandparents. These are my grandparents, my mom's side. And this is my grandmother's sister and her husband. This was a wild party they had, okay? This was, uh, <laughs> we were farmers in Kansas, and this was about as raised the roof as we got, okay? My mom and dad on their wedding day. Here we go. I mean, I, nobody ever said cheese, I guarantee that. I think they said just hum, hmm, okay, or something like that. I don't know. They, they were married for over 60 years. They had a great marriage. But I will tell you this. They survived the Great Depression. They survived the Dust Bowl. They worked hard. They survived uh, World War II. They survived all kinds of things, went through some things. And a lot of times, though, unfortunately, everybody looked forward to heaven where we could be joyful, but there wasn't as much joy as there could have been every day. I mean, the Bible tells us, hey, we need to be full of joy always. I'm going to tell you right now, when Paul wrote Philippians 4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, he was writing it from a prison cell where he might be executed. He was telling him, I might be uh, executed tomorrow, I don't know, but I want to write these words before I die, just in case. So I want you to understand, he wasn't writing, kicking back on the beach, sipping a pina colada. He is writing in a prison cell saying, hey, always be full of joy. And here are four uh, ways we can do that. First of all, we can always be full of joy if we stay connected to God, the source of our joy. David wrote, in your presence is fullness of joy. But that's the key, isn't it? It's staying in God's presence. When we go off on our own, well, we're going to get focused on all kinds of problems and issues. Galatians 5.22, the Apostle Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. You know, a string of Christmas tree lights is just a bunch of cable and bulbs if I don't plug it into anything. But the great thing is, is that if I plug it into an extension cord, instantly this bunch of cable and bulbs turns into a string of light. Disconnected, no light. Connected, I got lots of light. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can produce nothing. Well, what's the fruit look like? Well, it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is one of the most amazing things about surrendering your life to Christ and staying in touch with him. Is that the Holy Spirit, as he's active in our life, he changes us. Now, I love meeting people who've come to the Lord. I had dinner with a gentleman the other night, spent some time uh, riding with hell's angels and some other things. He came to the Lord, and man, the joy radiating from his life is amazing. Met him at a restaurant, greets me outside, and I go, he goes, hey, brother. <laughs> I said, hello. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? I said, I'm fine. Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> he goes, man, it's a great day. There's not a, I asked him, I said, I, who are at dinner? I said, you are so full of joy. And he said, why wouldn't I be full of joy? The Lord's forgiven all my sins. He's filled me with his spirit. Man, it's a beautiful day. The question for you and me is, are we connected to a power supply? 
when the Holy Spirit's a source of joy and love and peace, if I'm not experiencing those things, well, have I spent time in God's Word? Have I spent time with God's people? Have I spent time in prayer? Have I spent time just listening and thanking God for the good things He's already done? If I do, the joy will flow. A second thing we can do to always be full of joy is we can remember that Jesus is coming back soon. Back to Paul again, Philippians 4. 4.4 4 was, always be full of joy. Again, I say rejoice. Here's 4.5, the very next verse. Let everyone, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So look, let the joy shine out in your life. You be considerate. It means don't fly off the handle at the smallest thing. Don't get all wrapped around the axle about affairs of everyday life because Jesus is coming soon. I mean, that business about him preparing a place for us, he also told his disciples that he was coming back soon to come and get them. Coming soon means any moment. I mean, what the Bible clearly teaches us is that tonight at 5 p.m., you and I could be checking into our rooms in heaven. That could actually happen today. But think how much that would change my perspective on the day. Now, all of a sudden, all that stuff I've been chewing on all weekend. Man. My mom, she considered a blessing when she knew that she only had six or seven weeks to live. She made a bucket list of all the people she wanted to thank, all the people she wanted to apologize to, all the people she wanted to encourage. And she wrote all these notes. I got a note uh, about a year ago from a, a fellow who had written me, and he said, I just can't tell you how much your mom encouraged me with that kind note she wrote to me before she passed. I mean, she wasn't going to hang on to anything. What for? I'm going home. I only have a few weeks left. I'm going to make the most of my time. Well, think how much joy we'd have in our lives if we thought about that. Then a lot of the junk that we just keep spinning in our minds, we go, I don't even need to mess with this. If I need to apologize, I'm going to go apologize today. If I need to say thank you, I'm writing that thank you right now. If I need to go do something, I'm going to go do it with joy that I got time to get it done. 1 Peter 1.6, Peter talked this way. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. This is how the apostles thought about life. Through Christ, there's eternal life. Our life here is very short. And Jesus could come any second. Revelation 22.20, this is the second last verse in the Bible. And Jesus is telling John, the one who wrote it, he said, I'm coming soon. And John said, Amen, which means, so be it. Come, Lord Jesus. I mean, what if we thought about that every day? I might be checking into heaven at 5 o'clock today. So what problems need to consume my thoughts? And why am I so worried about some stuff? I mean, there's a real source of joy that Jesus is coming soon. Paul said, Hey, you can be considerate. Jesus is coming soon. A third reason that we can always be full of joy is we can always be full of joy if we trust God to handle our problems. 
This is the next verse after that, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I mean, God gives us his peace when we surrender our problems to him. And think how much joy we have then, knowing that our problems are being dealt with. You know, when we delegate something to someone else and then check on it, it means we really don't trust them. I remember uh, when my third son, we said, each of our boys had challenged had a time when they were challenged to go and mow the yard for me, and that's how they got their allowance. One time, our first son, he was just a type A, get it done. He would get it done as fast as he could. Second son was a comp competitor trying to get it done faster than the first one. You know, some of you know where this goes. Third one, he was his own cat. I mean, he was doing whatever he wanted. First time I went out there and asked him to mow the grass, he was mowing his name in the grass, okay? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and so I checked on him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really expect him to get it done the first time. I didn't trust him to do that yet. He got good at it, but I didn't trust him at first. Do you know that that's the way we treat our Heavenly Father? We pray about stuff, an hour later we're worrying about it again. I mean, it's a real problem. Jesus tells us, in this world you'll have troubles. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But we don't believe it. We don't trust him. So we pray about stuff, and then we worry about it anyway. But trust is the key. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. Would you circle that phrase, I trust him with all my heart? The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. In fact, could we say that phrase together, please? I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving because I don't have to fix this. I can commit a problem relationship to him. I can commit financial concerns to him. I can commit my concerns for today, my worries about tomorrow. I can commit all those to him. The only question is, do I trust him to handle it? If you've been coming to this church for a while, you've heard me say it many times, if you're going to pray, don't worry. If you're going to worry, don't pray. Pick one. Because if I'm really going to pray, why am I continuing to worry? Though you do not see him now, Peter said, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Both times, the joy comes after the trust. If I don't trust him, I don't have joy. Because i got to check and see if God's doing it. God, you haven't fixed it yet. You're messing this up. I don't trust your plan. I mean, I showed you my plan. You're not doing it right. And the Lord would say, I made the universe. I can handle your problem. Fourth reason that we can always be full of joy. We can always be full of joy if we focus on God rather than our problems. We focus on God rather than our problems. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because the truth is, we all have problems in our lives. We've just talked about that. But think if I focus on my problems. Then no matter how small my problem is, it looks huge to me. And here's the downside of it. If I focus on my problems like this, well then, after a while, I become known as a guy with lots of problems. I mean, he's got lots of problems. 
And all you see when you see me is a guy who's focusing on problems. But what if I focus on the Lord instead? And all of a sudden you see love and joy and peace. Paul again. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Last point for the day. The big application of the whole thing is joy is a choice. To rejoice is a choice. What am I focusing on today? What am I putting my trust in today? What am I staying connected to today? And all too often, it's this. And there's no joy. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to hear... Um, from Caroline Shumpert. Scott is one of our associate pastors here. And his wife, Salisa, uh, he and Scott, she and Scott are both on staff. And um, I want you to hear from their daughter, Caroline, though. She's been through some hard things in her life, and she has learned to choose joy. Would you watch the screens, please? I was born in China and I was adopted when I was 10 months old and then I moved to Alabama and I've lived in Prattville all my life and but after my parents brought me home they found out I was deaf and so I had to do a lot of work to make sure it didn't stop me from doing what I wanted to do. About my fifth grade year a lot of things started changing. I lost a really good friend of mine and like we weren't close anymore and uh, my sister got married and my brother went to college and I moved to a new school and I didn't have any friends and things were really hard. There's just some times when I really want to end it all and stuff. I didn't want to feel like this anymore. When I was eighth grade, Miss Bowman gave me a challenge to read my Bible every month, uh, every, every day for a month. And uh, I took it up because she promised everyone that she would give them a reward if they did it. I wanted the Starbucks and tropical smoothies, but that's all. The difference I was making, I was actually building a relationship and I was actually really enjoying it and it gave me a lot of peace and a lot of wisdom that I really needed. I started feeling changes and I started feeling more joyful and not feeling the anger I used to and I look back and I see how much it really changed my whole life. One of the ways that my life has changed so much is that Instead of thinking about me and uh, all about uh, my problems and stuff, I started thinking about reaching out to others more and helping them. Uh, I came up with the idea of starting a business because I really love art and 
I really like to do fun stuff and um, one big thing I love to do is write thank yous and stuff and happy birthday cards and I thought I thought it would be a great idea to turn my artwork into cards. I started off as just a business idea for me, just a way to get money and uh, have a job. But then um, I found out that Aaron and Todd were adopted, so I thought more about it and more about creating it to help them and help them at their adoption. And then after they get the money they need to help others too. Adoption really changed my life and I know a lot of people that, um, that has changed their lives too, both parents and kids. So I really want that for as many kids as possible. I've lived a world without joy and I've lived a world with joy and I love living in a world with joy way better. You know, you can discover this at any age, but the choice is there. To rejoice is a choice. I mean, she still was at the same school. Her friend that she didn't have a relationship with more still gone. She, her brother was still off at school. Her sister still got married, but all of a sudden her whole perspective changed. And the biggest reason it changed is because she got connected with God. And all of a sudden, through his word and through some Christian friends, she started finding joy in her life and hope and peace. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The whole message of Christmas is that God didn't consider, Jesus didn't consider equality with God, something to be grasped is what Paul says in Philippians 2. He didn't stay in heaven. He came down to earth to become one of us for the joy set before him. He knew it would involve the cross. He knew it would involve taking all our sins upon himself. But that's the way that he could restore a right relationship between all of us and our Heavenly Father. So this morning, I guess the question would be, if there's not a lot of joy in my life, well, it's a good time to examine a couple of things. Am I connected with God at all? I mean, if I'm not, well, then I don't want Jesus to be coming soon. Because when he comes again, the armies of angels will come back with him again. But it won't be coming as a little baby. It'll become, be coming to judge the world. And we don't have to fear that. Not if we're connected to him. Maybe I used to be close to God, but I've kind of drifted away. Or maybe I've allowed all the concerns of this life to, be, to block my view, and all I see are problems. Maybe I need to surrender those to the Lord and trust Him. So I'm going to have a word of prayer for us today and ask God to speak to us. If God has spoken to you about anything today, let's well, be a good time to settle it with Him. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank You for the wonderful promises of Scripture. I thank You, Lord, for the discovery that Caroline made. God, I thank you that you love us with unspeakable love. You love us so much that you sent your son into the world. Not just for people who are good. Lord, you sent 
We're sending the world for people who need forgiveness, like us. If you've been far away from God, and you need to connect to him, or you need to reconnect with him, would you pray with me right now? Well, God, I know I've been far away from you. And Lord, I surrender my whole life to you now. I want to I want you in my life. I want to surrender every part of my life to you. I want joy. If you've been trying to solve problems on your own, would you pray with me? Well, Father, I'm sorry that I worry about things and post a thousand things on social media, but I haven't prayed enough, and I certainly haven't surrendered this to you. So, Lord, I just want to surrender my problems to you. If there's a huge problem that's weighing heavy on your heart this Christmas, would you surrender to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I need your help. Would you please help me? And finally, if you haven't rejoiced lately that your name is written in the book of life, say, Lord, I thank you for sending Jesus to make it possible for me to spend eternity with you. I pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord, and we pray these things together. Amen.